This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. So how's it going? It's going good. Um, you just had your whole face in a lavender candle, so I'm going to say I that's about par for my, the course. My whole face in the lavender candle. You know, I hate everything except... You guys, our listeners, our friends, everyone else can fuck off. Right? Um, <laughs> a cosign, 100% retweet. Yeah. Also, guns are bad, so there's that too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't hashtag not all guns at me. Just, just <laughs> stop it. Stop it. I hate it. I, hate, I, I just can't anymore. Okay, I promised I wouldn't go on a rant, so I'm not gonna. Okay, no rants. Uh, so let's rant about Ikea real quick. Yes! So okay. I'm always on board for an Ikea rant. I bought everything Ikea owned yesterday. Like, so sorry people in the Dallas Metroplex, if you need to build furniture, you're gonna have to wait. Okay. Um, but Did you set up your house with the arrows on the floor so I can come shopping your house now? Not yet. Damn it. Yeah, well, I knew that you couldn't make it today, so I thought I would apparently nap instead of do any work. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, I, uh, bought a whole new, like, kitchen setup for our, our pantry and stuff, and Ikea has done this dumb thing now where you're not allowed to actually touch everything. Some things they hide behind this, like, gate that they have to go get for you, and so you put it in your cart at the computer in the store, and then you go scan your receipt and pay for it, and then you go pick it up from these magic wizards who have it locked behind the gate or whatever. And they didn't bring me all my shit yesterday. So it's like the North Pole? Yes. Well, it's like the North Pole, but stupid. Yes. (laughs) So... I didn't even notice that they didn't bring me all my shit because I'm not kidding when I tell you there wasn't really room for the thing they forgot anyway in my car. But still, um, they didn't bring me out the table that attaches to my pantry setup because we got a table that like folds out of the Uh wall so we could keep it. You know, our kitchen is so small. Um, And so when that Patreon money comes in and we can buy a mansion, then this won't be a problem. But until then. um, (laughs) Yeah. by that time, we'll be buying everything online and having it delivered and installed and set up for us. And we'll just be sitting, lounging on the patio, yeah. drinking rosé. Exactly. Frosé. It's hot. Mm. Um. Fro- yeah, it's <laughs> hot as fuck. <laughs> anyway, so I have to go back to Ikea on next Saturday and get this table that I forgot. And they won't answer their goddamn phone. I have called the customer service line probably oh. 20 times a day fuck and it hangs that. up on me. It, it, it says, I'm sorry, That's we're experiencing okay. a very large volume of calls. And then it just hangs up. And I'm like, when I get overwhelmed, I can't just cut people out of my life. Because I tried, Ikea. I tried. <laughs> uh, maybe we can use our huge social media following everybody at Ikea and make them fix Paul's thing. <laughs> and they should come out and install it for him too. Yes, because do you know the quickest way to a divorce is in fact setting up IKEA furniture? 
Oh, 100%. (laughs) I think that before you get married, when you go through like classes. Like marital counseling. I thought the same thing today. Marital counseling. You should have to put together Ikea furniture to see how well you work together. In fact, one of the things we got today, I picked up and it was a literal novel. Like it was the thickest instructions I've ever seen. And I just turned out, I was like, Sarah, you're a doctor, figure it out. And just like walked away. (laughs) You're like, I only have my bachelor's. (laughs) I have a master's, thank you. Whatever. Same thing. I worked really hard for that. Um, It's all the same till they call you doctor. Right. No, I, I both. It's okay. Want... I have my degree in real worlding, so. Well, I don't have that. We all know that I can't do anything except for like change a tire. I can yell at people if that counts That's for That's useful. Oh, hey. Did you know my car broke down again? Yeah, what the fuck is week? up with that? Your car's just being a little bitch. I think that's what I told you in that text message. I know. <laughs> It's the worst. I had to buy a new battery that cost a hundred and seventy-five fucking dollars. That's not a thing. <laughs> and then I cried a lot because I was like, "I'm just gonna be poor forever." Yep. It's the worst. Please donate to our Patreon, Patreon.com/backslash/lifetime-sensitive. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> oh, we're poor and sad. <laughs> God, that's the t-shirt oh, we need man. to make. We're poor and sad. We're poor and sad. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. Yeah. We're poor and sad. That's us. Man. So, okay. We we can cover this at the end, but we're going to have to repick two movies because I'm stupid. No, I didn't realize Amazon that two of the stupid. movies I had on my list well, I didn't realize that two of the movies I had on my list are, in fact, miniseries. And, y'all, I don't have time to watch a six-hour movie for you guys. I love you, but <laughs> it's too much. And then I can't condi- – it would be, like, the longest episode ever. <laughs> Just, like, a nine-hour episode of me recapping a six-hour movie. <laughs> yes. I'll just leave you oh, on record. Man. I'll put a cardboard cutout right here that just, like – and a recording yeah, that's just like, mm-hmm, yeah. Over and over. Mm-hmm. Yep. I see. I feel that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, sister. <laughs> so we did this week, we did Secrets of My Stepdaughter. And this movie, now listen, this movie was nuts because it actually goes in a linear timeline for once. So I was really happy. Wow. I know, but no. Lifetime was like she doesn't need one one mental illness. She needs five thousand, and so they like dumped it all in there, and then they shook it up, and they're like, "Here's a movie." Mental There's illness, a lot Pokemon, that happens in gotta this movie. catch them all. Yeah. Oh, hey, did we There's introduce a ourselves? A lot that yet? happens in this movie. No. Oh, cool. Uh, this is Lifetime Sentence, and I'm Paul. I'm Aaron. Now that I'm tired. we're official. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah. So, so much happens in this movie. It's bonkers. So, get ready. We've upgraded from bananas to bonkers this week. I'm trying to do my best to diversify my vocabulary. 
Um, this movie stars Josie Davis, who plays Cindy, or who I will just call mom the whole time. Okay. Um, she's been in CSI New York and CSI Miami. She's been in some Lifetime movies. She's just kind of all over the place. She, all the CSIs. Okay. Yes. And then we have Tiara, and I'm going to butcher this name, so I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead to your week, because I did it last week. Scovby? Scovby? S-K-O-V-B-Y-E. Scoby. She plays Rachel, and she's in Riverdale. Oh, okay. I've heard of Riverdale. I've and seen the little box on Netflix. I think Fran watches Riverdale, I, so she can tell us. So too. She plays she plays Polly. I don't know who that is or, or what happens in Riverdale. Oh. I know it's based on the comic book, but... <laughs> you know, Polly is that girl. She did the thing... Sure, the right. thing with the stuff, right? Exactly. That yeah. in that one episode, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. And then Cameron Bancroft, he plays um, Dad. I didn't even write his real name I, in the movie. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he was in Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero, like the OG Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. Okay. Um, he's in a lot of Hallmark stuff. He's in Wind Calls the Heart, Chesapeake Shores. He was in the Lifetime series Unreal, which is one of my favorite series that they've ever put out. It's so good. Um, if you haven't watched Unreal, you should do it. It's all on Hulu. Um, it's a the, one of the girls that used to produce The Bachelor made this movie. It's like a spoof of The Bachelor, but it's like it's so dark and twisted. It's so good. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> um, and then we have Ali Scovby Scovby Scovby. Scooby Dooby Doo. Where are you? Yeah. Um, I guess they're, they're sisters or cousins. I don't know. But she plays Addie, who's the little sister. And she was in Once Upon a Time. Who is she's she in Once Upon in, a Time? She's been in the Gourmet Detective movie series on Hallmark. Hold on. Let me. Okay. Um, Once Upon a Time. Paige slash Grace. Okay. No. No one no, remember. I almost said no one rememberable. That's not a word, Paul. You teach English every day. <laughs> anyway, she's in the Gourmet Detective movie series on the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel. And she's also been in a movie called No Men Beyond This Point. And I want to watch it just on principle. <laughs> <laughs> but this week, Josie Davis, who plays mom, brings us our Pornhub or TV She's in a movie called Dirty Teacher. Happy back to school week. Go. Um, Dirty Teacher is about a single mom raising three kids who, after the first day of school, falls into a literal tar pit. And she um, spends a week trying to be rescued by emergency workers. Um, And every day the tar creeps up little by little up her neck and all the way up until she's about to drown when her true love comes and rescues her. And she is the dirty teacher dubbed by the news because we know news media should not name anything ever. Looking at you, every murderer who's had a shitty name. What was that one that we did? Shit that I, uh, the Grim Sleeper. Looking at you, Grim Sleeper. Sleeper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anyways... This movie opens on mom making breakfast. Her husband, whose dad kisses her, and then their kids come downstairs. It's an all-American family breakfast with waffles and orange juice and everything. Real, real quick, you said mom was cooking, and then you said 
her husband. And what you said was, who is dad? Uh-huh. But you'd said the conjunction, who's dad, which can also be the <laughs> possessive. So then you're like, <laughs> mom was cooking and her husband, who's dad, kissed her. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, this, that's is, a lot to take this in. is a different American family than I was ready for. No, this, okay, look, they go to great strides to make this look like the all-American perfect family. It's really fucking annoying. Um one of the girls asks if um, she can stay. Oh, Rachel. She asks if she can stay at her friend's house later um, so they can study for a test. And then they're like, oh, we got to go to school. And then they leave. Later, Rachel's at work at a boutique. And the other worker, Leslie, is telling a sketchy looking dude in, and who is wearing a hoodie and a backwards hat. That's how you know he's a sketchy looking dude. Oh, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. She tells him to get lost. Um he leaves the store, and then so Leslie asks Rachel if she's ready to close. And Rachel says, I'm not on commission. Get the keys. Let's go home. Well, as, yeah. Back at the house, Mom is calling Rachel because she never came home the next morning. Dun, dun, dun. Mom is very concerned while drinking coffee. And Lifetime gave Rachel the best outgoing voicemail message ever. I it can't says, wait. Hi, you've reached Rachel Kent. I can't come to the phone right now, but you know there's this thing called texting, right? Oh. <laughs> I'm changing. Hold on, I'm changing my message right now. You need to look. If it was at all appropriate, and I didn't have like business people that called my cell phone, that would be my message. <laughs> um, yeah, on their way to school. Dad FaceTimes from his business trip to tell everyone that he loves them and that maybe they should get a puppy. God, like, I feel sick just hearing this. It's saccharine sweet. It's horrible. Um, And I put, they're really driving home the fact that this family is perfect. And I don't know if it's because one of them gets murdered or one of them is the murderer, but I really hope it's the murderer. <laughs> right. Um. Look, everybody's family has to be a little bit fucked up. Sorry. Um, so the younger sister, Addie, asks, says if mom really wants to find Rachel, she should just use the Find My Phone app. But not to tell Rachel that she told her mom about it. Um, and also she wants that puppy. So bye. Right. Duh. Those are... <laughs> um, Rachel's Find My Phone app leads mom to the boutique. It's closed, but the door is unlocked. She goes inside and finds Rachel and Leslie tied up on the floor. Rachel's is, Rachel's alive, but Leslie is dead. Well, that doesn't bode well. No. They go to the hospital, and Mom watches Rachel sleep before um, she's approached by a detective. They go to the cafeteria to talk, and the detective is asking about Rachel's routines, etc. And Mom says they really don't have a routine because Rachel is her stepdaughter and just came to live with them three months ago after her mom, Martha, who is a raging drug drug addict, just packed a bag and left Rachel one day and never came back. (laughs) They're like, they're like, what could, what could make something go terribly wrong? Drugs. Let's say drugs. Oh, it comes back. No. (laughs) Um, 
Rachel is awake now and being interviewed. She tearfully confesses that they were closing the store a little early, but only by 15 minutes because it was empty. And please don't tell her manager because she'll totally get fired. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. That just seems like the least of anyone's worries right now. Exactly. Right. Although the 16 year old and me, I would have been the same way. Right. (laughs) Um, she says she went to the back room to find her phone, which A is a lie. I know 100% off the bat because there's no way she detached that phone from her hand right? ever. Never. Um, and when she came out, there were two guys in the store. One had Leslie and the other grabbed her by the throat and threw her down on the floor. She says Leslie tried to save her. She got away from her attacker and jumped on the other guy. But the first guy hit Leslie in the head with something and then started choking Rachel she said she thought she was going to die. And then she says, quote, I just kept thinking, this must be what it's like for Martha. And the detective's like, what? <laughs> Martha Washington? No, her mom, Martha. Okay. Um, so the detective is like, what now? And she says, her mom always said that not having drugs was felt like being choked. Um. Oh, this is the moment you get introspective about your mother and or Martha Washington. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then they they zip-tied Rachel to the pole in the store where she had to lay next to Leslie's dead body for hours. Rachel is sobbing, and so Mom is like, this is enough of this interview. You can talk to her later. Um, The detective says she'll do everything in her power to find out who did this. Um, when they go home, a million reporters are waiting for them in the yard, you know, like they do in all these movies. Um, they go inside and they're back to being the perfect, perfect family. Sister comes down and gives her a hug. Everything's good. Um, later mom and dad are watching Rachel sleep and dad tells mom how horrible he feels for not being there and for never being there for 12 whole years of her life. He says he should have fought harder for custody of her. And mom says it's okay because they're all here for her now. She has a family now and it's going to be okay. They hug and the camera cuts to Rachel's face where she slowly opens her eyes. No. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Mom can't sleep, so she gets up and goes into the hallway and sees Rachel practicing what she's going to say to the media in the mirror in her room. Like you do. Yeah. Okay, question. Do you ever hold fake interviews for yourself? Because I do, still at 31 years old. I do not. I sometimes in my head do, not out loud. Right, that's what I mean. Like, I'm not in the mirror, but I do imagine, like, when I'm famous, what I'm going to say to specific people or, like, sometimes I have that perfect comeback for in case somebody ever sets it up exactly this way. Or after I have an argument, I rehash it. And I'm like, what could I have said? That would have made them make cry more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I love how you assume they're already crying because they had an <laughs> argument with me. <laughs> this is the Petty Files with Paul and Aaron where we, oh. um, we strive to be the most petty. Oh. I told you my petty story, right? Yes. This week. Oh, my God. Is that her? Fuck <laughs> you. Um, anyway. Are you sure it wasn't? Is that her? No, it was not. She it's wanted not, an not autograph. Like an, a rec- no. She was like, Aaron from Lifetime Sentence? That bitch. No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, 
Mom knocks on the door and asks Rachel if she's okay because that's weird. Um, and Rachel cries and says she just feels so alone. And Mom promises that they will work through this as a family because Rachel's part of the family now. We it's are mom family, and dad and sister. Like a giant tree reaching out toward the sky. That's Dream Girls. Oh. Aaron just gave me the most confused look known to mankind. And I was like, I did not just write that on the fly. I should have just let you believe I'm that good of a songwriter. It sounded like you did because you said, <laughs> we're family like a tree. Yeah, that's how it goes. Because they reach out to the sky. They're growing stronger, growing wiser. We are. We're going, about, we're going to get sued if I keep singing. You are. So you have like seven seconds. That's it. Um. The next morning, Rachel gives her practice statement to the media, and Mom looks a little puzzled. Hmm. Mom and Dad drop the girls off at school, and Rachel is suddenly, like, incredibly popular. Like you are in high school when you survive a murder. Right. I would assume. Um, she starts bragging to everyone about how many news stations were recording her that morning, etc., at home, mom's baking cookies, and Addie, the little sister, is drinking orange juice. They're still not letting go of this, like, perfect family thing. Right. At this point, they're, like, digging it in. We will be perfect, yeah. goddammit. I'm perfect. Um, and mom asks Addie about school that day. Addie says that Rachel was so cool and even invited her to hang with the seniors and talk about uh, the, the, like, crime with them. Which and I mean, sounds, you and it sounds super corny, but I remember being a freshman, like wanting to hang out with upperclassmen and how cool that would be. Well, also, me and you would invite people to come talk about their crimes that they experienced with us. So totally, we are totally. those seniors, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Mom again looks just puzzled by all of this. Um, the girls are watching Rachel's statement on the news from that morning. Oh, okay. Like, she loves herself. And Rachel, like, turns to her sister and she says, do you think I look pretty? Uh-uh. No. <laughs> I'm not okay with any of this. Just then, there's a knock at the door, and it's the detective, Detective Pam. She wants to know if she can ask Rachel some more questions. At first, Mom says no, but the Detective Pam tells her that Rachel's mom, not Rachel, Leslie's mom is having a really hard time with this. You know, the fact that her daughter was murdered. Right. And maybe Leslie's mom would feel better if they caught the murderers and put them in jail. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, don't come in here with your crazy detective talk. <laughs> so mom's like, oh, I guess you can talk to her. Rachel's story is starting to change a bit. And the detective starts to call her out. But dad storms in and saves the day. He's an attorney and nobody messes with his family. He kicks the detective out and Rachel asks mom why she even made her talk to the police in the first place. God. You're so annoying, mom. All I want to do is be famous and popular. Yeah. And then Rachel calls her a stupid bitch and runs upstairs. That's, um, that's not how perfect families act, Rachel. Rachel. No. God, Rachel. <laughs> um, at the police station, Detective Pam is starting to figure all this out because as we've discussed many, many, many times, teenagers are fucking stupid and should not commit crimes because you will get caught. Uh, yes, every time. And die. <laughs> and if you're a teenager listening and you think this is the first time we've said it, please go back to the bling ring. Yes. 
yeah, just don't. Leslie had, um, but she finds out Leslie had an alleged stalker last year, but they were both minors and the record was expunged. So Lieutenant Smith comes in and he picks up the phone. And he's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Calls the DA. Good. Mom and dad are fighting at home about whether they should have Rachel talk to the police. Um, Mom says that Rachel was not herself during questioning and something is just off. Um, Dad says she's just a teenager and she's lashing out. And mom says that something is suspicious and she thinks Rachel needs therapy, which makes total sense to me, but not to dad. He says no he says no twice, so he really means oh, it. Oh, no. Rachel needs her family right now, not a shrink. Ugh. Dude, whatever. Therapy is the bomb. Um, at the police station, uh, Leslie's alleged stalker has been picked up. And surprise, it's the hoodlum that she was selling to Scram that, at, that night at the store. Well, I don't know. I don't know how it would take them so long to find probably the one person in a hoodie in this whole mm-hmm. imaginary exactly. village. Yeah. He refuses to answer any questions. So the lieutenant is like, cool. You for sure did it. Case closed. I'm going to knock off early and have a beer. Um, but Detective Pam comes to him with suspicions because the physical evidence at the scene does not match what would have happened if it had been like a planned attack or murder. Um, she says that Leslie's injuries are inconsistent with what, with Rachel's story, that Rachel's injuries are too superficial and that the photos on the bruising show that she choked herself. Yeah. Cause like, okay. If, if you choke someone else, your thumbs are going to be right. Like facing each other. If you choke yourself, they're going to be like away. Yeah. Well, and even if you flip your hands to check yourself, your thumbprints will be upside down. Yeah. So it doesn't. But she did it like away. Like did this. she? Oh, so I, she yeah. was real stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the lieutenant says, and I quote, so you're telling me this little girl killed her best friend, beat and tied herself up and waited for hours with a dead body for someone to find her? And Detective Pam's like, maybe. And he's like, nope, it was the stalker. But keep pushing this angle just in case his alibi checks out. But make sure you're not wrong. (laughs) Wow. Um, Oh, it's going to get worse. These police people are not the best. Um, Oh, that's shocking. Rachel and her sister are at home playing Jenga. And dad brings home a dog. Oh, just like he he promised. The dog's name is Ted. But don't get too attached to him. Like Ted Bundy? Like Ted the dog. Okay. Um, he says, so dad says, the dog's name is Ted, and he looks at mom very pointedly and says, he's been through a lot and just needs his family. Uh-uh. <laughs> God damn it, Rachel! Mom immediately ends up having to walk the dog because of course she does. Right. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Mm-mm. It's a lie. And she sees Detective Pam leaving Leslie's mom's house. She waves, but Detective Pam does not wave. Uh Uh-oh. So mom goes and knocks on Leslie's mother's door. Inside, the camera focuses on all the medication that Leslie's mom is taking. And I actually recognize one. I was like, ooh, yay. Look at you. It's Ambien. 
but it's a the generic name Zulpidim. Um, Leslie's mother asks her to come to the funeral, and Mom asks what the detective had been there for. Leslie's mom says she didn't want to say anything before, but the girls had been stealing things from the store, and Leslie was afraid she was going to get fired, but Rachel had said it was going to be fine. Mom is flabbergasted by all of this information, especially the fact that Rachel and Leslie had apparently gotten into a big fight about whether they should stop stealing or not. Uh, so, wait, so I'm sorry. They got in a fight about whether or not she should stop stealing? Whether they should both stop stealing. Oh, oh, okay. I was going to say, I understand the fight about going down together. Yeah. But if, like, if you came up and you were like, Paul, listen, I'm afraid you're going to go to jail because you can't stop stealing. Obviously, my next step is to kill you. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, Through the computer. Yeah. Execute. Mom- <laughs> You only have a month left till we see each other. So, Mom leaves Leslie's house and goes to ransack Rachel's room, where she finds a trunk full of merchandise and cash, like under her bed. I thought you said cats at first, and this was an even better story. <laughs> have you seen the preview for the live-action cat? I don't want to talk about it. I've got nightmares. I hate it so much. <laughs> Sarah was like, Rachel- "I'm so excited," and I was like, "Then you can go see it by yourself." <laughs> it was it terrified me i had a nightmare so yes um rachel comes in and starts making excuses for why she has the stuff but they're interrupted by the police knocking on the door they're there to search the premises mom says no but they have a search warrant so too bad so sad. yeah you can't really say no to that yeah they find everything and arrest Rachel. Mom and Rachel scream to please not arrest her, both of them, while the dog just whines on the porch. I'm like, oh, poor puppy. Um, Dad's on the phone later saying he's going to burn that whole police department to the ground. He says the charges will never stick. $3,000 worth of stolen items is not a big deal. $3,000? Nah. His version of not a big deal and mine are completely different. Um, he says they're going to say, they're just going to say that Rachel didn't steal this stuff because I guess that will make it true. Um, mom says that they cannot lie. It's not okay. Um, but he says he is not going to let Rachel get hurt again. At the police station, Detective Pam is asking Rachel questions, but she won't answer because her parents told her not to talk to the police lieutenant pulls detective pam out of the interrogation room to show her a video of rachel's parents making a statement that they're looking forward to rachel the victim being released and a formal police apology um the lieutenant says that pam really fucked this one up um the parents say they bought everything in the trunk for rachel they can't prove that she stole anything Leslie's mother had been under the influence of drugs, like all the prescription drugs, when Pam talked to her last. And Rachel's dad had her had petitioned to the court to have her previous statements thrown out because no lawyer was present at the time. Okay. Oops. Okay. He's he says the lieutenant says they're letting detect they're letting Rachel go and charging this stalker kid, even though he has an alibi. Well, that's what he gets for existing. Yeah. The lieutenant says, the stalker did it, and that's that. 
That's that's what he says for for that's like like verbatim verbatim quote. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought that was like Aaron extrapolating. No, <laughs> nope. Um, <laughs> hey, Lifetime, are you still looking for script writers? Because every week <laughs> I question. Yeah. Um, Lieutenant then goes in and apologizes to Rachel for all the trouble, and then asks her to if she can maybe look at some pictures. She picks out the stalker guy. And suddenly, even though they had gloves and a mask on and she couldn't see them before, now she's like, that's him. That's the guy. Oh, it was one of those see-through masks. Mm -hmm. Um, They're very rare. They happen literally fucking never. The lieutenant's like, thank you. Have a nice day. And he leaves. Um, Mom comes to pick up Rachel and Pam starts to ask her if they really bought Rachel all of that merchandise. She starts to flounder, but then Rachel comes out. So mom sends her to the car and Pam gives mom a warning to be careful around Rachel. After all, they've only known each other for three months, right? Eh, That's kind of shitty. Like, no, Rachel's it's not. Rachel's an awful human being, but no, Rachel gets worse. Well, yes, it is shitty for you to make that implication of anybody's stepchild just because you haven't known them very long. Well, she had a point here, so she gets a pass. So I wrote. They go home. I wrote a whole paper in my master's degree about um, how Cinderella, for instance, is a really awful story because it criminalizes stepmothers. Um, <laughs> research shows sure. that stepmothers are actually the third most used trope in fairy tales um, mm-hmm. as bad guys. The other two are imaginary, and so it is the most used actual villain. And that we perpetuate that idea that stepmothers should be vilified. So, Detective Pam, while I know that Rachel did it, you need to take several seats. Well, she's not vilifying the mom. She's telling mom to be careful because she thinks she's going to get hurt. Well, she needs to say those words out loud. Don't try to beat around the bush. We all know I'm too thick to understand uh, pretense. Can I keep going now? No. This is the Paul show and y'all are all just along for the ride. All right, keep going. I'm done now. All right, they go home and play with the dog. Later that evening, Dad tries to convince Mom again that they had to lie. They had to get Rachel out of jail. Rachel is listening at the door, um, and Mom says they didn't have a choice to lie, but they needed to talk to Rachel about what happened, and so Mom and Dad get in a fight. Mom says Rachel needs therapy, and that's the end of discussion, but then Rachel comes in and makes a tearful apology for stealing the stuff. Oh, so it's all better. Yeah. Mom asks Rachel if she was fighting with Leslie, and she said yes, but that she wanted to keep stealing, and Leslie wanted it to stop, so they got in a fight. But if Rachel had just said they could stop stealing, maybe the two men wouldn't have come in and killed her friend. She says she stole all this stuff because she didn't want to ask for too many things from her parents in case they wanted to send her away for being too needy. She didn't want them to abandon her like her mom did. Yeah, this logic checks out. Um, The next morning, mom is making perfect breakfast again. And she says, she tells dad that she would like she and Rachel to go to Leslie's funeral that day together. So dad says he'll take Addie to school. Mom goes upstairs and overhears Rachel telling Addie that she could have the nice things like Rachel does if she just knew how to ask right. Uh Uh-uh. Nope, that's gross. Don't like it. She tells Rachel to get ready for the funeral. And then we cut to mom downstairs calling up 
that they're going to be late. And Rachel comes downstairs in a dress that's too low cut, too short, and too tight to be worn to a funeral. So in half a funeral dress. It's a clubbing dress. Right. It's something that I would wear in Vegas. It's an appropriate clubbing dress. It's half of a funeral dress. Yes. (laughs) She says she doesn't want to go to the funeral because there's going to be too many sad people there. (laughs) Mom says that she doesn't have a choice. And she has to go upstairs. And she starts pulling her upstairs to change. And Rachel says, I won't go, you bitch. And then she hits mom. That's not okay. Mom puts her hand to her neck where Rachel hit her. And she has, like, blood. Like, she's bleeding. Shit. So Rachel runs upstairs and mom goes to the funeral by herself. After the funeral, she comes home. She finds blood on the front porch and rushes inside the house. The dog is dead. No! I was not prepared. I know. I'm so sorry that was your ears and everyone who's (laughs) listening. I'm so sorry. They found him in the street. Rachel hugs her sister and while looking directly into her mother's eyes says, thank God it wasn't you who got hurt. Oh, fuck no. Mama, let me tell you what to do. Take her back to the boutique Tie her up and beat the shit out of her and blame it on some mass intruder. <laughs> then, so later, mom and dad are upstairs and she tells dad that she thinks Rachel killed the dog and then points out the injury on her neck. Dad says that Rachel already told him about uh, her hitting her the mom. And he told Rachel that it was unacceptable. Oh, good. Settled. But Rachel said she was just scared when it happened. Mom tells dad that he doesn't know his daughter and she thinks Rachel killed the dog and might hurt one of them too. Dad asks her not to make him choose between them. He has to go out of town for a few days, but maybe when he gets back, they can call a counselor. And who's watching from upstairs? Um, not Ed McMahon today. Mm-hmm. It is um, China, the wrestler from WWF, well before it was WWE. She just she just looked creeping around, looking over the like banister. Nope. The next day, Rachel is searching for a divert. Divor- She's looking for a divorce. Girl, get out there while you can. <laughs> Rachel's googling divorce attorneys on the, but it's Google, but it's not Google, right? Right. Because so, it's lifetime. You know, like you do when you're 16 years old. <laughs> and then she goes to breakfast. She leaves the, sh- the search up on the computer and leaves her dad's phone next to it so he'll see it. Oh, God. And I have to admit, That's that was pretty good smart. because it totally works. Um, Mom brings him his coffee and he shows her the computer. She says it's not her. She didn't search for it. It must have been Rachel. And he yells, oh, you're going to blame her for this too? And then he leaves. God. This is a Mom- nightmare. Where's that orange juice and fried egg happy family? This is a nightmare. Mom takes Eddie to school and tells her to wait for her after school, not to ride home with Rachel. Um, then she goes to talk to Detective Pam. She tells Pam that she thinks Rachel killed their dog and that she also thinks she killed Leslie. The detective says that um, mom can press charges against Rachel for the scratches on her neck, but mom says, no, it won't be enough. 
She wants Rachel out of her house. And then she confesses to lying to them about the clothes being purchased. Detective Pam says there's no turning back now that they've convinced everyone that Rachel is innocent. So she has to bring her something concrete in order for them to pursue this. Okay. Mom goes home and starts to research. Um, she poses as an attorney looking for Rachel's mother and gets a forwarding address that is a motel. So she calls um, the motel and asks to speak to Martha, but the front desk says that she's actually working there right now, and so they can have her call her back. But mom says no, and so she drives to the motel. She finds Martha cleaning rooms and tells her that she has she's having trouble with Rachel and wants to help understand her better. So Martha says, okay, and mom starts asking her about her addiction. Except... Martha's not addicted to drugs. What? She never I... called dad to ask for money. That was Rachel. Shit. And mom asks Martha why she left Rachel like that. And Martha says she left because she was scared of Rachel. And then she rolls up her sleeves and shows she has scars all over her arms where Rachel attacked her with a pair of scissors. Oh my god. Oh, ooh, I just whole body cringed. Yeah. Martha says Rachel doesn't feel things the way that other people feel things. There's Rachel a word for that, Martha. Mm-hmm. Um, Martha says it got so bad and violent she couldn't sleep and she was a prisoner in her own home. So the only thing she could do was leave. She says she didn't say anything because she didn't think that um, Rachel's stepmother and her dad would take her in if they thought she was sick. So the mom sobs that Martha has put her entire family in danger and that Rachel has now killed somebody. And Martha's like, I can't do this. And she just walks out. So mom rushes to her car and throws off the scarf that's covering her neck. She drives away. Oh, well, when you're dramatic about it, then you know you're serious. She she calls dad and leaves him a voicemail ranting like a lunatic. She, she just, she sounds like a freaking lunatic. And if I had any doubts, if I was a dad and I had any doubts, I would be like, Oh, she's the crazy one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, about Rachel being insane and begs him to come home. Addie calls because, um, Mom never showed up to get her from school, but it's okay because Rachel picked her up. No. Zoom into the background and Rachel is fixing Addie a glass of orange juice and putting some kind of drug in it. Rachel takes the phone from Addie and asks how mom's day was. Mom asked her to put Addie on the phone. She like begs and she's like, let me talk to my daughter. And Rachel says, I thought you were. Am I not your little girl anymore? Uh-uh, uh-uh. And then she hangs up. Did you ever watch the horror movie The Orphan? I think it's just Orphan. No. Oh, man. I- I'm getting real orphan vibes from this. So mom calls Detective Pam to tell her she has the concrete evidence that Rachel is violent. But Rachel and Addie are alone at the house and she's still a half hour away. Detective Pam says she's going to rush over there right now. At the house, Addie is sleeping with Rachel standing over her and the doorbell rings. Um, then we cut to dad listening to his voicemail, but I can't, I couldn't tell if he believed her or not. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. Mom races into the driveway and runs into the house to find all the lights out. Oh, hell no. Detective Pam is on the ground, passed out. So mom starts to call nine one one, 
but the lights come on and Rachel walks in with a gun. Shit. And she said, like, uh, mom is like, what did you do to Addie? And she says, oh, I went to talk to Leslie's mom and I told her all about my terrible nightmare. So she was happy to share her Ambien with me. Uh-uh. So she, that's what she mixed into Addie's drink. Um, then she asks mom, what did she do that day? She starts laughing and she says, you think find my phone only works on me? I can spy on you too. Shit. She cray mom, cray. Mom says Rachel needs help. And Rachel laughs and says, oh, is that what she told you? Like referring to her mom. Right. Um, and then she starts to wave the gun around and says, do I really look like I need help? And I was like, yeah, yeah. girl. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Um, Rachel sits next to Addie and starts talking about how precious she is. She's like, oh, you, she's your one and only. And mom's like, no, I, I totally love you too. Just as much for sure. 100%. Maybe even more. You're just, mm-hmm. I was, I didn't realize what I was missing until I had you. Oh my God. It was like, there was a darkness and then you just suddenly appeared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rachel calls her a liar and says she's not really part of the family. And mom says she just wants to help her and promises that they'll be with her every step of the way that she loves her and they'll fix it together. And Rachel looks like she's going to cry, but then instead she starts to laugh. And she picks a knife up, knife up off the table. So now she's got a gun in one hand and a knife in the other. Hey, and I'm like, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> no. Um, and so the mom starts to beg her not to stab Addie. And she says, this isn't for Addie. Do you really think I'd hurt my own sister? This is for you. Oh, shit. Then she says she needs this all to look real. So she needs her to kill Pam. Then she's going to, then Rachel's going to shoot mom in self-defense. And then when daddy gets home, she can cry and say that mom hated her so much. And when she asked her to leave the house, she threatened to kill her and then attacked Pam, who was there for some reason. I don't, she has a hole in her story. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but mom says she can't do it, but Rachel threatens to kill everyone. So mom says, okay. She kneels down and Rachel stands over her with the gun and tells her it's really easy to stab someone. And so we cut back to the night of the crime. Um, Leslie catches Rachel stealing out of the um, cash register. So um, she says she's going to tell the manager about their stealing. And Rachel says no, and then kills Leslie. I mean, I knew that was, I knew that was it, Mm -hmm. but I didn't think it was going to just be so easy. Then she like attacks herself by knocking her head on like the the counter and it's, it was kind of disturbing like to see someone crack their own head on, like on purpose. Right. Like, oh. Um and then she zip ties herself to the like to the pole. Um she trashes the store, whatever. And then back at the house, mom spies Pam's pepper spray. So she asks Rachel how she dealt with all the guilt from killing people. And Rachel says not to worry because mom won't have to worry about it. She's going to die anyway. Um, Mom picks up the pepper spray and sprays Rachel in the face. And they get in a fight. Um, Rachel fires a shot into the air, but mom gets the gun and points it at Rachel just as dad walks in. (laughs) I was like, oh, this bitch, I swear. Um, Rachel runs over to him and says that mom attacked everyone and dad 
like holds Rachel back and then he's like, okay, um, Cindy, I need you to give me the, the gun. And mom thinks that he believes Rachel. So she's like, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, I would too, especially after all the bullshit they've been through at this point. So he finally says he got her voicemail. He totally believes her. Rachel cries and insists that she was the one attacked, but the dad just turns around and he goes, stop lying. (laughs) Oh, that fixed it. Thanks, dad. So Rachel very dramatically slides down the wall and sobs while pulling her own hair. Very normal. Yeah, like you do. Cut to the ambulance later outside. Detective Pam is being checked out. Mom and Addie are sitting on the porch wrapped in a blanket. They bring Rachel out in handcuffs while she sobs and begs them to help her, saying, please no, please no, please no. Over and over again. Dad apologizes to them again. And so mom and dad make up. Um, Rachel goes to jail. Mom and dad go to visit her and she hugs them and tells them how much she misses them. And she asks if they've talked to the lawyers yet and found out when she can go home. She really didn't mean to hurt anybody. She's so much better. She totally loves them. Oh, good. That fixed um, it. See, dad yelled mom, and now she's fixed. Mom changes the subject and is like, let's play cards. And... um. So then Rachel, like, narrows her eyes at her. So clearly she's still a nutbag. Um, Later at home, they bring Addie a new puppy. Oh, yay. And then that's where my recording cut off. So I hope that that was close to the end. Oh, no. I think it was. I'm sure that sounds like There was no ending text. Sorry about it. So, yeah. That's it. That was a wild ride. I told, like, they... They took the story. I was like, you know what? It's not interesting enough. Which is bizarre because uh, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, so the real story behind this movie is just as crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my research last night, yeah, last night, found um, an article written by a woman who was actually working at Lululemon at the time of the Lululemon murder that inspired this movie. Um, She was actually working in Manhattan, so not in Maryland where this case happened, but um, she had some really good insight as to um, why she thought the girl snapped. And so I just want to go over that before I get into the actual case. Okay. So this was an article that ran in a... It was on uh, Salon.com. Is that right? Let me see. I've got it. So it was Um, Mm Salon.com. It was a a piece called Yoga, Spinning, and a Murder, My Strange Months at Lululemon. (laughs) Um, And it was written by Mary Mann. And I will link this article in our notes um, because it was so fascinating. I found it on Reddit. But um, she talks about... Her um, first, like, her first experiences with Lululemon, um, really, she only applied for the job at Lululemon because she was tired of being a waitress and she wanted to work retail for a while. Um, And then she was like, bitch, I'm out. I'd much rather be a waitress. And she (laughs) she was a person who enjoyed working out and liked fitness and yoga. And part of the 
package at the time, I don't know if it's still the case. Part of the package of working for Lululemon is they pay for your fitness. Like they pay for yoga classes or for you to go to a gym or whatever. Um, really? Yeah. I'm gonna go get a job at Lululemon. Right. That's included as part of their pack as part of your uh, employee employment there. Um, How interesting. You know, I've been ever since last week when we talked about this, I've been mixing up Lululemon and Lularose. Uh, so let's not do that. Yeah, I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, she said um, that this job was like perfect for her because it was free yoga, discounts on expensive clothes, a prime location in Union Square. Um, and then she talks about how like when you work at Lululemon, you're not a salesperson, you're not an employee, you're called an educator, which is real funny to me. Because as an actual educator, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, here's the thing: Lululemons are ridiculously expensive, but they make your ass look perfect. Well, here's what she says: She says at Lululemon, sales girls are called educators, and customers are called guests. A touch of class that helps justify both the hundred dollar yoga pants and the hours of life spent selling them. And then later she talks about how most of her job is just telling the um, wives of investment bankers how nice their butt looks. Like, <laughs> so um, she talks about how like their training schedule was really strict. Um, you mm. train every day for a week before you actually make it on the sales floor. And wow. they have you like very tightly scheduled um she said they gathered every day for about a week before any actual work began. Um, they started with group yoga and then the mornings were for lectures on willpower and videos on the importance of goal setting starring the company founder, Chip Wilson. Oh, just call him Chip giggled one of the managers. So like it's, it's a real drink the Kool-Aid kind of place is what I'm getting from this. A hundred percent. Afternoons. They learned how to fold all the garments And then at night, you were expected to read a book called Good to Great, which is a self-help book that Chip swears by. Um, The message is, good is the enemy of great. Don't settle for a mediocre life. And she said at first, like, that seemed perfect for her. She left Indiana to move to New York City Mm -hmm. for just that, to be great and not good, you know. Um, And then... The night before their first day on the floor, all the trainees got together and they had to write a goal sheet. And it's a sheet mm-hmm. with ten go- or with goals for the next 10 years. And then they frame them and hang them on the walls in the store. And so she was like, to be honest, my goal was to not work here anymore. But... <laughs> she said I mean she said I really wanted an office job with benefits and I was going to leave Lululemon the minute I got that so I didn't know what to write on my goal sheet without sounding um like, like a bitch well like <laughs> yeah sounding ungrateful for the amount of time they put into training her because it is a big process so she in fact looked over at someone else's answers and copied them like because they there didn't work at the same store so she copied her All answers I'm on board um, and then she said, um, like the first few days, it seemed like this magical world because she'd do spin class at six and vinyasa at eight. And then she'd go work like on the high of a good workout after that. And like, I get it. You're in a good mood after you work out for like four days. And then the fifth day, you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? 
look, here's the thing. I can get on board for Vinyasa at eight. You're not taking my ass to a spin class at six o'clock in the morning. It's not going to happen. I would love to be a, an early morning workout person, but I have to be I would on love to be that kind so of person early. too. <laughs> I would love to be that kind of person, but I'm just not. Oh, see, I would be if, if I didn't, if I weren't expected to check in at six forty every morning, but that means I have to work out at five o'clock and I go to bed between ten thirty and 11, waking up at four 30 to go work out is not my thing. No. Um, so then she says like exercise is literally the main topic of conversation in the store. Everybody there is a health nut. And so if you skipped a day, it was obvious. And people would ask you if you were feeling okay, because everyone's talking about their workout in the morning. And I'm like, that's not the place for me. Let's talk about the cookies. She even said at their training, they had gluten-free, dairy-free, egg-free cookies. And I'm like, so is that like air? Is it (laughs) somebody just sprays like a, a Febreze in the air? And then you like, (laughs) and then that's your cookie. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, So then she talks about her coworkers and they were like all drinking the Kool-Aid. In fact, um, she says, um, the instant camaraderie was appealing. In order to fit in, I avoided my favorite vices, bait goods, beer, Russian novels. And I'm like, I love those things. Oh. Are, is she eating the book? Yeah, duh. No, one of her um, coworkers told her Anna Karenina was too depressing and she probably shouldn't bring that to work anymore. Because um, it was like in her oh bag my God. for her break. She says... We were positive, we were healthy, we were enthusiastic. While retail employees at American Apparel or Forever 21 might spend their half-hour breaks eating pizza or smoking in the alley, my coworkers and I did sit-ups and handstands, read the self-help books in the employee library, and talked shit about gluten. And I wrote, you people need new lives. Yeah. Look, <laughs> if, you, if you're at a place in your life where you're talking shit about gluten, <laughs> you need a new job. I, I in fact have celiac and I don't talk shit about gluten. Like, <laughs> yeah, because you're normal. Okay. <laughs> um, so she goes on to talk about how once you've worked at Lululemon for six months, they send you to um, a th- group therapy slash self help seminar called Landmark. And um, one girl came in and she said after she went to landmark that it was so empowering because you learned that everything is a story. So like, if I'm sad, that's my story. If I want to be happy, all I do is change my story. You can make your life look however you want. It was a huge breakthrough. And I'm like, bitch, have you ever heard of depression? Cause, uh, that's what I was going to say. Oh, depression. It's just a state of mind. No, Mm -mm. Um, nope. And then, um, they also apparently train to think about, a woman named Ocean with a capital O. And so she talks about one of her coworkers um, holds up a purple and white or holds up some purple and white stretch pants and asks, do you think Ocean would wear this? Um, and then she, the, the girl who wrote this is like, who's Ocean? And so they explain that Ocean is the ideal customer. She does yoga every day, makes $100,000 a year, and dates triathlete, and dates a triathlete named Mountain. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. People that make $100,000 a year will tell you they don't have time for dumb shit like yoga in the morning. <laughs> 
every single day. Right. Maybe three times a week, not every morning. Um, so she gets more and more, um, like, down. She starts hating her job. It becomes awful working there. Um, and that's I can't when, imagine why. Right. And so she's about six months in when um, the case that we're about to discuss happens. And so okay. I find it very interesting that it was written from somebody who was working for the company and kind of how the company mm-hmm. dealt with it. Um, okay. And uh-huh. so I'm not going to go into that nearly as much because I don't care how the company dealt with it. But I uh-huh. did want to, I enjoyed reading about the cult-like atmosphere of this Lululemon store. Um, yeah. And so, that's really interesting, though. I, I, I do think that's really interesting. So she then says, and this is where I'm going to leave it and talk about the case. In that moment, so this is right after she's figured out or found out that the um, the girl was arrested or that the whole thing happened anyway. So she Googles it and she says... Um, In that moment, it seemed inevitable. As educators, we were pressed to be our best selves, treat life like a party, and never give up on greatness. If you are unhappy, angry, paranoid, just tell a different story. The idea you could shape reality to look however you wanted suddenly seemed dangerous, easily abused, especially among my type A co-workers, who exercised and worked and exercised and worked and ate so little that it was not really a surprise that someone eventually snapped. I, yeah, yeah, because you can't just make life what you want to. Right. I'm sorry. So. I hate to break it to you. It's not a thing. Right. All right. So now, around 8 a.m. on March 11th, 2011, a Lulu mm-hmm. lemon worker in Bethesda, Maryland, entered the store prepared to open and prepared to open for the day. I wrote, uh-huh. I wrote this like a story. It's been months since I've been able to do that. <laughs> um, when she heard noises coming from the back room, however, she went to find somebody else to help her or like to go in with her to identify mm-hmm. the source of the noises. As they entered the back room, they <laughs> I wrote, they were stumbled upon a horrifying scene. So <laughs> that's not words. <laughs> Did you write that during your nap? (laughs) Possibly. Um, 30-year-old Jana Murray had been bound and murdered, and her co-worker Brittany Norwood, who was 28, was bound and lying on the floor not far from her. Wow. When the police arrived, Norwood told them that she and Murray had been attacked by two men wearing masks and gloves. She said the men had sexually... I... Sorry. I was going to type sexually assaulted, and then I was like, let's use the real word raped. Because, mm-hmm. and so then I wrote, the two men had sexually raped both of them. <laughs> oh my <I'm> God. <laughs> she said the men had raped both of them, tied up Norwood and killed Murray. Bethesda was turned upside down with this news. So this was like a, a suburb. I guess it's not far from DC from what I understand. Right. It, uh, it's and it's like, kind of the wealthy yeah, suburb. suburb. And mm-hmm. um, so... And this was like a high-end shopping center that this happened yeah. in. Um, so basically all the white people who've never had to worry about safety didn't know what to do. Because yeah. there are these two unknown murderers who broke into the store. Um, shopping in this one safe neighborhood slowed to a crawl. Stores and restaurants reported a 50% decrease in sales the week afterward. Wow. Yeah. People feared for their lives, worried they may be the next victims of these random home, uh, these random invaders. Um, and the police offered a $150,000 reward to anyone who could offer information that would lead to the capture of the men. 
That's what happens when you live in a suburb. They get things like $150,000 reward. Right. Meanwhile, the police continued to investigate the attack with what forensic information they could find. Norwood claimed that she'd been sexually assaulted, but there was no indication that there had been any rape um, on her or the uh, or the uh, murder victim. Okay, um, well, that's good. Yeah, she claimed that she'd been attacked and beaten, but her wounds were shallow and had many of the characteristics of being self-inflicted. Um, even though Murray had been brutally beat, her um, oh my god, Jana Murray had been like brutally attacked. Um, so police found Norwood when they found her on Saturday morning on the floor of the store, her hands were tied above her head and her feet were bound and police noted in their initial report that she could have posed herself in that position. So, mm-hmm. um, they did, um, follow the lead of the masked men, but they also did, uh, investigate pretty quickly into Brittany Norwood as well. Right. Um, they also recovered two sets of bloody footprints inside the store. One set belonged to Brittany Norwood and the other matched a pair of shoes that were used in the store to measure the length of pants. So like they were the general, the generic shoes that women would step in to see if their pants were going to be too long. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and so I was like, why are you using shoes to measure <laughs> pants? Oh, it's what, is that a cult it's, thing? It's, it's like, the Lululemon way. I, They're gluten-free shoes, oh. Aaron. Gluten-free shoes. <laughs> <laughs> that's our episode title right there. You got it. <laughs> I mean, that's gold. Um, anyway, so... Uh, la, la, la. Where did we go? Oh, the shoes and the store had also been cleaned, which was very suspicious. Like, they tried to wipe them down and get rid of the evidence of blood because you know if you just wipe it it goes away right oh totally that's how that works (laughs) yeah on march 15th four days after norwood and murray had been discovered in the back room jana murray's car was found three blocks away from the parking lot police found blood inside of the car whoops um so Brittany norwood was interviewed at this point to ask if she'd ever been in um in Jana Murray's car. And she said, mm-hmm. no, I've never been in there. You know, I passed it while she was like leaving work, but I've never been in the car. So then on March 16th, the next day, Oh, she was sorry. I, something flew on me and I don't know what it was. It's probably my own imagination. Nope. Um, on March 16th, Brittany Norwood was interviewed again and asked if she'd ever been in Jana's car. Oh no, no, no. Sorry. Mm-hmm. This was me blending two stories. So as I said, okay. she was interviewed at this point and she said she'd only seen it in passing. Um, but this at this interview, she gave different accounts of events that didn't match her original testimony. So Excellent. only four days have passed. And she's like, you know what? Nah. Let's, it's a new story. It's fine. Um, the stories also did not, neither of the stories that she came up with um, did not fit the physical evidence that the police had gathered. So mm-hmm. on March 18th, we're now a week later, Brittany was questioned again at police headquarters. And this time she offered the most plausible story of all. So oh good. I can't mm-hmm. wait. I'm so excited. So Lay it on me. She claimed that before she was raped by the masked assailants, that they made her take Jana Murray's keys and move the car 
while they stayed inside the store with her. So they both held down the one tied up woman and left the uh, let the other one go with the keys to drive away three blocks and then walk in because her car was found three blocks from the store. And so she left and then went back. Yep, exactly. Norwood also sure. said that she saw a police officer as well as two other people in the street, but she was too scared to ask for help. Why would she go back? <laughs> that's I'm, that's going to stick for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Why would you? If somebody, if a criminal lets you go. Right. Why would you go back? That's, that's the question on everyone's mind. Good. Um, I'm glad. So... <laughs> I cracked myself up. When she was asked about inconsistencies in her story, Norwood conveniently became deaf. (laughs) It's like when I ask any of my students something that I know the answer to. Huh? Erin, are you texting while I'm talking? Huh? Uh -huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. No, everyone looks at their lap and smiles occasionally. (laughs) It's only two reasons people do that, and I don't want either happening in my classroom. (laughs) On March 18th, Brittany was arrested on suspicion of killing Jaina Murray. That night, Police Chief J. Thomas Manger held a press conference to report that they had charged Norwood with the slaying. And then the community really did breathe this, like, collective sigh of relief. They were like, oh, thank God, girl was crazy. We don't have to be scared anymore. Oh, my God. I need new yoga pants, like, so bad. God, it's over. Honey, it's okay. It was that girl who did it. We can still go eat pizza. Like, yeah. <laughs> We can go back to the mall. God. All the malls in my area are closing. Is that a really? thing that's happening where you are? No. Yeah, everyone in this area is like, the millennials are taking over and they're all either shopping mm-hmm. online or like small business, mom and pop stuff. And yeah. so... One of our malls, like a wing of it, was repoed the last week by the bank. And um, all of the like, strip malls are have empty storefronts in them. Now, we do have a lot of places that have like closed down, like department stores and stuff, but they're not closing like the mall. Gotcha. Um, anyway, so in his press conference, the police chief reported that the two women had had a, an argument prior to the incident but he didn't go into any detail at the time. Later, witness interviews revealed that the employees at the Apple store next door heard the two women screaming at each other at around 1030 that night. So, And none of them were like, we should go check it out. They were like, nah. It's those yoga girls. You know how yogis get when you don't give them enough kale. They just need a snack. They haven't had their kale and almonds. They're hangry. Um, so Manger also announced that there was no evidence that either woman had been sexually assaulted. No, she made that up. No Mm -hmm. way. Really? Are you sure? (laughs) Manger went on to say that the police suspected Brittany Norwood, uh, Paul, that's not a thing, caused her own wounds after killing Jana Murray, who died from blunt force trauma and stab wounds. Are you sure? And so, like I said, she basically took one or two of the weapons because over the course of the night, and I'll get into this, she used six different weapons on this girl. Holy crap. Yeah. So she took one or two and she was like, 
and she like cut herself real quick. It was like that. I imagine it was that scene in the Lindsay Lohan parent trap where she's piercing <laughs> the ear and it's like big hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she scratches herself with one finger now and then shrieks and then has to do it again on the other arm, you know, but I it's. I don't like it. <laughs> um, Horrible. So. When uh, when Norwood was arrested, she was in possession of stolen merchandise. And mm-hmm. so the um, the state attorney, John McCarty, who um, was working on this case, he made the assertion that the argument, that they probably had an argument over the stolen merchandise. So, because um, the Apple employees reported that there was a screaming match, and then mm-hmm. um, they... Th- suspect that this is the cause of it. I don't know why I decided that was the most complicated thing for you to understand ever. (laughs) It's that nap. I should never nap. Yeah, man. I'm still like real groggy from it. I know. Um, I love naps. So during the court hearing on March 21st, 2011, new details emerged about the attack. Prosecutors claimed that the struggle between the two women lasted more than 20 minutes. Yikes. And um, she had lots of like defensive wounds on her. Jaina did. Mm-hmm. Um, the Poor blows baby. to her head were at the time too numerous to count. Her skull was fractured and her spinal cord had been severed by a wound <gasps> that went through her neck. No. Mm-mm. And then the forensic report found that um, not like... Basically, she went into shock before she died, so she was awake and conscious for most of the attack because it wasn't until that final blow to the spinal cord that she had enough damage that she would have died from it. That is horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's not okay. Straight up horrifying. Oh, my. That's, like, worst nightmare kind of thing. I hate it. Okay. Um, so, her... Um, court her trial started in November and she was very quickly found guilty of first degree murder like no way (laughs) so are you sure her defense team went in like here's how fucked she was her defense team went in and was like yeah she killed her but it's second degree because she wasn't planning on it like they they couldn't even come up with a plausible, like, uh, anything else happened. Like, they were just hoping and okay. praying for the second degree murder because maybe you could get parole with that. Like, that's pretty bad when your defense team was like, listen, uh, you done fucked we up. We cried. <laughs> um, so... Um, but she was sentenced. She was convicted of first degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Wow! And so, Good. while um, the case was presented that she just snapped and like went in a rage crazy and killed mm-hmm. this girl, um, the judge was not having that because Norwood stabbed Jana Murray a total of three hundred and thirty-one times. And, what the fuck? And used six different weapons, including a hammer, a wrench, a knife, and one of the pegs that you use to hang a mannequin with. That is... That 
that's so overkill. Like, you need a new word yeah. for overkill. Yeah. And so there was, like, no taking first degree off the table at that point. Because you you can, I mean, I don't know that, I don't, I don't know that I would ever be put in a situation where I would snap and kill someone. But I can see, like, oh my god, I killed her, calling 911 and maybe getting a second degree or, like, yeah. a manslaughter. But when you're like, shit, this hammer isn't doing enough, let me go for a wrench, like, you crossed a line. Yeah. Exactly. God. So, that is insane. Um, so this court was, I mean, this case was one of the biggest, most sensationalized cases of the area. The courtroom mm-hmm. had over 200 people in it at any given time. Um, and so um, when the judge sentenced Brittany Norwood to life in prison, the courtroom, with its 200 people, including the relatives of both, like, the girl who died and the girl who did it, it erupted into applause, like standing ovation. Like the judge had to be like, please have some class about yourself. Like it is like a Broadway show. <laughs> no one screaming encore though. Not a single person. Nobody. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, the judge, God, this was so good. The judge looked her in the eyes and said, you will live. You will see another sunrise, another sunset. Mm -hmm. It may be through a prison window. There will be Christmases. There will be phone calls and there will be visits. The only visits that Jaina Murray will have are those to her grave. And that was his closing statement to her. You think judges like sit at, if I was a judge, I would sit at home and be like, I just write poignant speeches (laughs) and then like pull them out like as I needed to. Like, What's that one thing I wrote about? The sunrise. Hold on. <laughs> Can I be for real though? Store them all on my computer and be like, search for sunrise. You are nope, so extra. Not that one. You are so extra. They would not be on your computer. You and I both know you'd have them on a scroll and you'd read it like a decree. Whoosh. <laughs> 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 hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> oh, God. It's true. That is um, 100% true. The judge also. Oh, should make me a judge. <laughs> The judge also made Norwood sit and listen while anyone from Jaina's family who wanted to speak made a statement and made Excellent. her just sit and look at the family. And so how many, how many times if that, if you were given that, well, I guess you have to like conduct yourself appropriately in a courtroom or whatever. <laughs> Cause I would just, I would just want to get up and be like, fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you. Um, well, her older brother, who was a, um, he was an officer in the army. Um, oh, he gets to pass. He's in the military. He, he can say whatever he wants. Right. He stood up and he said, your honor, I'm Hugh Murray and I'm a victim of a murder. My sister, Jane, my sister, Jana's murder. Nothing will ever uh-huh. return to normal. Nothing will ever be the same. And, um, then like her family came up basically one at a time and gave a speech to Brittany Norwood who um, then the judge allowed one person from her family to speak and her cousin got up and I don't mean to laugh at this poor guy, but like you should have just not like you should have just right. He said, you're like, Oh honey. He said to the judge, can you please give Brittany some kind of word of encouragement? Because if you give her hope, there will be hope. And I'm like, Oh, that ship sailed a long time ago. Ooh. You have no hope, sis. 
None. I would see, and this is why you and I can't be a judge, because we'd be like, my hope is that you live a long time in prison and get the shit beat out of you every day. Every single day. (laughs) Sorry about it. That was a rough case. And I felt like I had longer notes than I did, but I'm glad that I found that article um, that kind of gave the insight of the Lululemon because Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty bad. One of the other employees is like, you know, they put so much pressure on you to not eat and work out all the time that it makes sense that someone snapped. I oof. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I don't have a case of the week this week, but I do have... Um, a story. So during while I was watching this movie, I just recorded it like last week. And while I was watching this movie, I realized that they're coming out with a new movie that I cannot wait for. I can't wait. Tell me all about it. It's coming in September. And I can't remember the title of it, but it's about the Nexium cult. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited. We'll be live tweeting that one. We'll yes. be all over it. I'm super, super stoked. It's going to be really good. And actually, the girl that plays, oh, what's her name? The one that's going to jail. Brittany Norwood. Allie. No. Allie, Addie? whatever. No. Uh-uh. No. In the, in next the next game call. Oh, the I thought you were still talking about the movie you just watched. Okay. No, 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 Oh, no. I don't remember. But yeah. Hold on. Sam trial... Not trail, trial. <laughs> um, Allison Mack. Oh. So I'm watching the preview and I'm like, did they get Allison Mack to play herself? Because it looks so much like her. Oh, really? <laughs> that would be so meta, but it, right? I don't think they did. I don't think she would agree to it. But anyways, we do have to pick two new movies because I'm stupid. Um and Love Lies and Murder and Dead by Sunset are both mini series so um we're gonna keep date with darkness capture of andrew luster and if you'll pick two more between one and 65 let's go 16 uh-huh and 62 <clears throat> oh my god i'm so excited what is it one hold on One is The Watcher. Yes! For real? hmm And that is that story we briefly touched on last week. Uh-huh. So, good for you. And the other one is called Lies My Mother Told Me. And I think, A, this is going to be a hard one for you to research because I'm not sure if it's, like, based on, um, like, one specific case. I don't know. You'll have to look at it. Yeah. But it's about, like, a con artist mother and her kid. So... Oh, okay. Um, super close to home for me I say that I can just talk about several families I know (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. we'll have anecdata yeah so we'll do those and then yeah I just I didn't have a real case of the week because I wanted to point out the Nexium cult thing that's going to be so good I can't wait um I don't remember did I ever talk about the KFC murders as my case of the week okay I can't remember if I mm-hmm. talked about that. So then I don't have a case of the week. Um, y'all just pretend like I did. But if you're a Patreon person, guess what? 
we we're back we're back and tonight's so we're recording it tonight by the time you hear this it'll be three days old but it's gonna be good you will want to hear it gonna be good so thank you guys for sticking with us um yes this was not the lulu row murder this is the lulu lemon murder if you want to hear some shit about lulu (laughs) row what's that podcast called the dream oh i don't know where they talk about the MLMs. MLMs, yeah. I'm, I assume they did an episode about LuLaRoe. I, I don't know. but <laughs> We're going to say they did at some point. Yeah. We can mm. also predict the future. So we don't know if it's current or us or using our psychic future, abilities. But at some point, yes. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. But thanks for listening. If you, um, if you liked it, please give us a review and a rating and subscribe. And um, tell all your friends about us. Um, yeah, we actually have seen someone's telling your friends about us because uh, we've been seeing some good numbers. So we just really appreciate that. And look, I want to tell you, like, I for I screwed up again huh, and forgot to post about the last episode until last night. And people were like engaging and responding. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. So I love it. If you comment on Facebook, I love you. If you comment on Instagram, I love you. If you send us a um, direct message on Instagram. I still love you. Just do it. We love you. Yes. It, it strokes our little egos. Like, let's be for real. It does. But- and let's be honest. I need that constantly. So, <laughs> um, Until then, uh, look us up on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. Yep. Um, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Um, we can, we're on the internets, the webs, the worldwide webs at <laughs> LifetimeSentence.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. Yes. And of course, donate to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash lifetime sentence for all of our additional content. We're about to, we're rolling into something new where we talk about some unsolved mysteries and I'm very excited. Yeah. So, uh, you, like I said, you don't want to miss this. Uh, every no. week we're going to be alternating. So this week mm-hmm. is my case. And then, uh, next week, Aaron's going to tell us about one of her favorites. And what I'm going to tell you I is the case that got me into true crime at a very, very, probably way too young of an age. Really? But yeah, well, it's the it's the case that I have very close personal connection with. Oh, so yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about that next week. I'm very excited to share it with you. I, I'm I'm excited to like give it to the real research that it needs and talk about it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so until then, don't forget to eat your vegetables. And charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.